Do you want to become a better hockey player this summer with Paul Vincent Hockey? Since 1972, Paul Vincent, currently the head skills instructor of the Florida Panthers, has been developing NHL and college hockey players. Paul Vincent stands by his saying, there is always room for player development. Players such as Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Matt Grizzlick, Patrick Sharp, Adam Oates, and many more have trained with Coach Vincent and his staff and have outstanding results. Join Paul Vincent this summer at one of his four Massachusetts locations, Canton, Saugus, Middleton, and Falmouth on Cape Cod. Registration is now open for 2022 camps. To reserve your spot today, go to pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. That's pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. Paul Vincent is ready to get back to work this summer. Are you? Welcome to New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise Podcast, the podcast for serious hockey players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their hockey careers. And now, here is your host, New England Hockey Journal's Kirk Ludicky. Welcome to the New England Hockey Journal RinkWise Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Ludicky. Appreciate you joining me. We've got a great show today. A couple of guests, the first of which is Brian McGurk, head coach, Governor's Academy Prep School. He uh, was a former Boston University player, and uh, upon uh, leaving college, played some pro hockey, and then went back to his alma mater, uh, Governor's, that he he played uh, with uh, Ben Ferriero, recent uh, podcast guest, as a matter of fact, and uh, is now coaching that team. Uh, he is joining us via Zoom. I am in the studio, and here is my conversation with Brian McGurk of Danvers, Mass. Okay, and we are with Brian McGurk, head coach, Governor's Academy. Brian, thanks so much uh, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate appreciate you asking me. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's great, and uh, we're in the midst of a prep season, and you've had a chance to catch your team recently, and uh, you've had some pretty good games, some 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 good wins, and some some tight contests overall. How has the season been going for you? Uh, as of late, we're uh, we're pre- we're playing pretty well. Um, not not the best start, not the start we would have wanted, but um, you know, obviously, there's a lot of moving pieces. Um, right now so um you know if i think the first four or five stretch of games uh, not our best but i think as of late we're we're starting to play a pretty good brand of hockey yeah i would agree uh and you know what we're gonna we're gonna get into your team in more detail we're gonna talk about some of the some of the players you have and 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 what you're doing Um, but before we do that i mean we gotta gotta get into a little bit of a background here and so Grew up in Danvers and 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 had a had a chance to 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 have the dream and 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 play locally at Boston University. Just how did that all come together for you? Ben kind of alluded in the last podcast that the original plan was that you all were going to end up on Com Ave and be Terriers together. Until he kind of he kind of went off the off the reservation there. But uh, how how did that all ha- happen for you in in in, in ending up at, at BU? Um, you know, for me it was. I mean, it was an easy, it was an easy decision. I, uh, I grew up a, a BU fan. Uh, I, I think, uh, many Friday nights I'd be in there for games with my dad and, uh, grandfather. So I think, um, you know, freshman year, sophomore year governors, um, 
you know, I was fortunate enough to have a few conversations with uh, local local colleges. And, you know, for me, uh, again, I was always a BU fan. I always wanted to play for BU. So um, it was a pretty easy decision to me and, and obviously something I, I worked for over the years. And it was a goal of mine and, uh, you know, couldn't have been happier when that opportunity presented itself. Now, you played for legendary coach Jack Parker, but uh, in just – in the recruiting process, who 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 was instrumental in recruiting you, and then you know what was it like when when you got that offer? I mean, it just it, that's a, that's a part that we probably don't talk enough about. It, it sometimes is it, you focus on the actual you know when the player got there, but just the whole process of of recruiting. Being a BU fan, it just had to be really really exciting for you to to work so hard and then get that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I believe it was the summer between my freshman and, and sophomore year at Governors, and um, you know Brian DeRosha and Mike Davis were on the staff with with Coach Parker at uh, that time. Um, you know, and I, and I got to know Mike uh, over the years, um, and Brand and Brian DeRosha, who's who's still there uh, coaching the girls program. Um, you know, that's that summer I had a you know conversations with a few other colleges and, and uh, kind of visits set up. Um, you know, funny, I, I, I went to BU first and, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to be offered a scholarship. And, you know, I, uh, I, I think I committed right on site and my parents said, well, you know, well, let's hold on. He's, <laughs> he's never, he's never been to another college campus and, uh, you know, would like to, you know, experience, uh, some of the other schools that, um, you know, had me, had me scheduled. And, you know, I remember taking one other visit. And uh, leaving that visit, I, I said to my parents, I said, I, I can't do this. I, I feel bad. I feel like I'm wasting their time. You know, I know where I want to go. And, and uh, you know, shortly after that, they, they, they said, you know what, you can kind of make that commitment. So, um, you know, they were, they were great through the process. Like I said, having known uh, Mike Davis over the years, I, w- I was definitely comfortable um, with him. Um, you know, but Coach Parker was, was excellent. And, um, you know, I remember – you know, when, when I did say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm coming, um, you know, he was fine. He said, you know, obviously, if you, if you commit now, it makes my life easier. But, you know, if you need time, it, uh, you know, whether it's now or, or senior year, it is what it is. And, and uh, so, you know, there was no pressure. It was uh, it was uh, it was a nice experience. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, you played on some really good teams. I mean, just just missed that that one season, right? Uh, finished up in '08. You know, yeah. quite a few of your teammates went on. But I, my one of my fond memories of Coach Parker was I was at the the '09 Frozen Four, and after after uh, BU had won, and 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 everyone was just you know waiting for the the, the post game media availability. Uh, the uh, the school's SID that was selected to run all that was Denver University's guy. And Denver University is kind of maroon and gold colors. And the Denver guy had a maroon and gold tie, and Coach Parker walked in. And uh, we began that the, the Q&A process, and he said, okay, we're, you know, we're going to open it up for questions. And Coach, Coach Parker said, well, I just have one thing to say. And he immediately pointed, he's like, I can't believe you're wearing a BC tie. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then he, he kind of said, sotto voce, uh, you know, DU, DU coach. But anyway, but I, I never, I said, man, that it w- could not have been a more perfect uh, illustration of the BU-BC rivalry. So just, oh, you know, yeah. how, 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 how were those games? Games to, to participate those bean pots and and those intense rivalry games that you participated in as a player 
Yeah, I, I mean, it didn't, it didn't matter if it was a Beanpot game, a Hockey East Finals, uh, you know, or just an in-season game. Um, you know, whether it was on, you know, our, our our campus on theirs, obviously so close by, and, you know, you'd have, you know, a full fan section from both. Um, you know, and it was, I mean, obviously it was always competitive, but, um, you know, having having played and come up with so many of the players on, on either roster. I mean, everyone kind of knew each other so well. And, you know, quite honestly, there was a lot of us that were friends, um, you know, away from that game time. Um, but, you know, it was, you know, whenever it was on the schedule, you know, I, you know, I remember my first experience was actually at Walter Brown freshman year. We had half the season at Walter Brown. You know, I mean, just the atmosphere there for a BC game was, was, was quite the experience. Um, yeah, but you know, it, it didn't matter whether it was at the garden or, you know, a home game, regular season game. It was, it was always the same BUBC. Yeah. Great. Um, who were, who were some of the mentors? Maybe when you were coming in as an underclassman, who were some of the players that you remember really kind of showed you what right looked like and teammates you respected, uh, just in terms of how they did things, prepared themselves and conducted themselves on and off the ice? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's a, there's a, not a lot to name. Um, you know, obviously I remember freshman year, Brian McConnell was, was the senior captain, you know, just a, just a hard work and physical player. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, I thought he did a great job it, you know, his, his leadership was excellent. Um, you know, but it just, just his style of play, he was a, you know, a, a tough kid to play against and, you know, kind of led by example as well. And, you know, Brad Zankenauer over the years, um, you know, he was an upperclassman being there, also a captain, um, you know, down the stretch. And, you know, just, just guys that went about things the right way and, you know, be it practice, be it game. I mean, you had a, you had a, you knew the compete level that did, that did bring night in and night out. So, you know, guys, you kind of, you know, looked up to and, you know, kind of, you know, tried to, uh, tried to follow with that, uh, that same compete and, and effort and, uh, you know, a week to week basis. Yeah, you know what's what's striking is I go through some of those those old rosters and whether you're talking about guys that you know went on to, to have long pro careers or you know and and, and you know in Nick Benino's case still still playing yeah. but um or you're talking about guys like yourself that got into coaching um Joe Joe Pereira you know great great yeah. example I'm sure you you know it's kind of cool because okay, you're yeah. you're you're dealing with the recruiting process you know as he with him at, at UConn all that but it just seems like there's such a rich tradition in these top programs like like Boston University where the coaches and the players the 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 culture you were brought up in inspires you not only to stay connected in the game but but opens the door for success on the on the coaching you know on the coaching side yeah and and, and not just not just the, the players that um you know I, I was able to play with um you know some of the guys you know before me um, you know, I, I mean, I still remember, you know, going to Mike Boyles and working out with, you know, Jay Pendolfo and Mike Greer. Um, you know, I mean, they were, you know, they were towards the, towards the end of, of their playing careers, but you know, you, you wouldn't have known that from a, you know, from a, from a training aspect, um, you know, just their work ethic. I mean, it was, uh, you know, you, you'd almost think those were rookie rookies going into the league, trying to, trying to make a name for themselves the, the, the way they work. So, you know, just kind of following some of those guys, their careers, the success that they had. And, you know, quite honestly, you know, towards the back end of their career, just how hard they still worked, um, you know, kind of opened your eyes to, you know, exactly kind of what it takes to, 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 to get to the next level. But not only that, 
you know, make a career at the next level. Right. Um, you know, with, with guys like that did so well. You were, uh, you were probably about what, nine, 10 years old when Mike Greer won the national championship. And uh, I think, uh, Pandolfo was on that team as well, right? They both were on that 95 yeah. team. So you were about what, nine, 10. So that, that must've been kind of exciting for you as a, as a BU fan. And then as a player to kind of be around that and, and experience oh, I, that. Absolutely. And I mean, even, even, you know, throughout the, uh, you know, the youth hockey, I mean, uh, you know, Mike Greer coaching, seeing him through the ranks, you know, well after, he, you know, he was done playing and, you know, Jay as well. And, you know, the, the, the number of guys that, that are, you know, still still involved in the game from from a, uh, you know, with their kids and, and such. And yeah, I mean, and, and you wouldn't know it. I mean, the the success that you know those particular guys had, just you know, me, seeing them at the rink and catching up with them, just um, you know how modest and humble they are. Right. Um, but obviously, knowing the success that, that they found in their careers. Yeah, great. So you went on from from uh, from BU. You, you did play. You did play pro. What were some of the, the the lessons that you really you know that you learned from your experiences in in, in Syracuse and on the K Wings? I mean, you didn't have a, a a long career, but but you certainly experienced it and probably you know really benefited from the different uh, people you were around. Just what were some of the takeaways that you had from your pro experience? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, definitely a different, uh, you know, different landscape, different experience in the college, um, you know, scheduling and process. I mean, it's definitely a different lifestyle, um, you know, but I, I think my, my first year in Syracuse, um, Tyler Wright was the player development coach for Columbus at the time. So he spent time both obviously in Columbus and in Syracuse and uh, just, just working with guys like that really opened your eyes to, to the game and, um, you know, Tyler uh, I, I mean, you know, many, many times we'd be down in Syracuse and, you know, whether it's going over game film or just, you know, spending time after a practice and, you know, I mean, in his career, I mean, he was a, he was a hard to play against. He was a pretty complete player in, in terms of creating offense as well, a, a pretty tough player in, in, in you know, in, in his days. Um, but just, you know, learning the game from, from guys like that who, you know, had a, had kind of a, you know, sim- similar style of play and, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it, it, obviously it's, you know, a lot of, in the minor leagues, it's, you know, a lot of travel and, you know, the, uh, you know, bus to bus, hotel to hotel, flight to flight. So, you know, it was, you know, it was, uh, definitely a, a, a unique experience, but, um, you know, I haven't, having the opportunity to work with guys like that and, um, you know, you kind of wish, you know, I look back at that and, you know, as much as I learned from Tyler, you know, you look back and wish that was, you know, part of, uh, your, your earlier days. Um, but it was, it was a great experience. I mean, I think I did three or four years and, um, you know, you get to that 23, 24 years old and, um, you know, I mean, it, uh, it, it was time to, to move forward for me, but you know, I, I, I had a great experience. You had a chance to play with a, a pretty established NHLer and, uh, and Mike York. Uh, who you know had some really you know had good careers with or good career with the with the Rangers and the Oilers and and spent some time with the with the Islanders what just um, you know the that makeup I mean they said at you know at one point the AHL was a young was a younger league you know developmental league and I think it it still is so but when you have the opportunity to have veterans in in there and you're a younger player and you're just figuring out the you know the what it takes to be a pro what are guys like that 
you know, do for you in terms of, of helping you uh, achieve your own development and your own uh, growth as you're also adjusting to the challenges of playing at that higher level? Yeah, I, I mean, you, you learn so much from, from all the different players I, I think you, you know, spend time with and, you know, all, all, all unique, you know, in their, in their own game. But uh, I think for a guy like Mike York, I mean, I mean you know, you, you look at him in the AHL at the time, I mean, obviously definitely a developmental league and, and still is, but it was, you know, it was high paced, very tough, very physical um, league as well. But, you know, and it's, you know, I think for me as a player, you know, the, the game was always at full speed. I was always at full speed. And, and I think there's a lot of lot to be said about guys that can play the game at full speed, but slow it down mentally as well. And, you know, you watch players like him, you know, just, just the composure they play with and, and, and being able to slow the game down was, some, was something I always noticed from him, which, you know, in my own game, I definitely needed to do that at a much higher level. Uh, but you see some of these more skilled younger players or, you know, guys like that, that, uh, you know, as many games, NHL games under their belt as they had, you know, just the ability to kind of slow the game down and, and, and you know, play at their pace and, you know, let plays develop, which I think is, is one of the harder skills and really hockey IQ to 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 uh, to develop. Um, but it was very impressive how he did that. And, and a lot of the other, you know, guys with with that type of experience he wasn't uh he wasn't on your team long but i gotta know was chris russell the same crazy shot blocker on the syracuse crunch that that he has been in his nhl career yeah yeah <laughs> i mean it you know it didn't matter practice game it was you know, one one way to do things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, they didn't keep statistics. You know, they didn't keep the the, the shot blocking statistics for a while. But you know, like it had 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 it done it over the entire life of his career, I think you know he'd he'd probably be doing it. He'd probably be um, up there, right? But just, uh, I mean, as smooth as smooth as they come too. Um, you know, and at the at the, at his size to be able to. You know, play the game for for as long as he has has and continues to, and it's uh, very very impressive. Yeah, and it, you know, it, it's a great point you make at his size because back then the NHL was still kind of you know they was just starting to that that trend where we've seen you know guys that are smaller in stature really have a place and, and where teams aren't yeah. afraid. But back then, you were still at that that point where okay, yeah, they're they're still looking for the bigger guys and 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 the. I guess the quote unquote safe players in a, in yeah. a smaller D. So he really had to, you know, he, he really had to carve out a niche for himself and do something really well. And, and to his credit, as you said, he's still going, he's closing in on 900 career NHL games. And that's pretty, pretty impressive. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, the, the, the bigger, stronger defenseman, you know, in, in, you know, net front and obviously those situations harder to play against, but you have, you know, players like that, just how smooth and, you know, how quick they can transition. And, I mean, you look at him going back for pucks, picking up pucks on, on retrievals. And, you know, he's not a guy you see get hit, you know, uh, very much. And that obviously speaks to one is just his hockey sense, his anticipation and, you know, his ability to skate and, and, and kind of anticipate and make, you know, see the next play in front of him. And, uh, you know, to, to play to play that long and, and, and obviously not, you know, be in, in the biggest frame. Um, you know, takes a lot of hockey IQ, and, and obviously he, he has shown that over the years. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So at some point you decide, okay, 
I'm not gonna not gonna continue this. Uh, you know, from a player perspective, when did you really feel like okay, I'm, I want to stay connected in the hockey and I want to be a, a coach? And and ultimately, how did you end up at your alma mater, where where you played prep school as you know hockey and as the head coach at Governors? Um, yeah, I mean, my my last year playing, I was in Kalamazoo. Um, you know, there there was talks during that year of a trade. Um, at the end of the season, another, another, uh, another team asked if, uh, you know, where I was for the following year. And it just, you know, for me, I, I, uh, you know, I, I don't look back on my career and have any regrets. I mean, I, I kind of, I, I, you know, I prided myself on how hard I worked. Um, you know, so at the end of the day, you know, I was, I, I was, you know, I was, I was happy to, you know, start the next chapter. Um, you know, in, in, in Quite honestly, I, I didn't want to jump into the, you know, the, the, the travel and, you know, end up overseas or at a different team. So, you know, for me, the time felt right. Um, and to be honest with you, my, my intentions and in leaving leaving the game was 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 not to get into coaching. I actually uh, was pursuing a few different law enforcement uh, opportunities, um, you know, going through that process. One was federally and and it was, I think it was six months hiring. Then it was pushed back and pushed back again, you know, and, and honestly at the time I was kind of sitting around pretty bored and, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't do well when I'm bored. So uh, I, I, Peter Ferriero who owns the ice center and top gun youth program and doing a fall prep, you know, asked me to come up to the rank, kind of help out with the top gun coaches, just kind of get involved. And, you know, one thing kind of led to another. And, um, you know, when the process um, started again with the law enforcement, I, I, I kind of thought, you know what, this is a passion of mine. Um, you know, this is, this is what I would love to do. Um, you know, and just opportunities started to create for themselves. So, um, it, it worked out, um, you, you know, and, and I, again, it's, to me, it's, it's not, a, it's not a job. It's, it's, it's a passion. And, um, you know, I was happy to be involved in hockey and uh, doing the things I was doing at the ice center. Um, you know, and, th- and things kind of started to develop. Um, and, you know, I think it was four years ago, um, you know, I was, I was speaking to the athletic director and a few, um, uh, few people on employees and governors that I've known over the years. And, you know, they, they inquired if I would be interested. And, you know, obviously for me, it was kind of figuring out how I would manage both. And, um, you know, it's, it's worked out. And, you know, to be honest with you, I, I, I kind of love that age group of players, um, you know, so it's, it's, it's been a great experience. A few things I want to unpack because you said something and it reminded me and you were talking about, and first of all, I'm, you know, at law enforcement, it's, it's, it's something, right. It's, it's uh, such a challenging, you know, it's, it's such a challenging line of work and um, you know, to, to have the interest and the desire to do something. I mean, you know, you're going to have to make a real commitment. It's just like playing hockey to high level. You're going to have to make a real commitment to it. And, and um, yeah, you know, I, I, I admire that. Uh, but it, something stuck with me and that was, I was, I was reading recently about a guy that was in a, in a famous band and, and he was trying to make the decision of whether to commit to the band or, um, you know, stay in school. And his mom said, you got to go with the band because you're not, you're not going to get another opportunity, but you can, if you decide that, you know, if the, you know, you can always go back to school. And I just couldn't help but think, you know, is, is there kind of a peril? Do you agree with that? Like, as you're looking at law enforcement, you have an opportunity to be a coach and be involved in hockey, but if you pass that opportunity up, it might not present itself. Whereas if maybe the coaching thing didn't happen, you could maybe stay, you know, go back to that law enforcement. For me, um, you know, I, I, I was a criminal justice major at BU and, 
um, you know, my last year plan, I started kind of started the process and, um, you know, obviously kind of have an exit exit strategy getting away from the game. Um, you know, and that's, you know, at, at the time, you know, I, that, that was my plan and, you know, wherever I needed to start, whatever I needed to do, you know, I, I was willing to do it. And, you know, quite honestly, I mean, I, I think, you know, there's only so much we control. Um, you know, I think things work out for, for, for a reason. Um, you know, so for me, just kind of that time frame that I was off and, you know, pursuing different applications and, 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 and job openings, um, you know, just having the opportunity to get back into hockey, coaching, uh, you know, on the ice training, younger players, um, you know, it, it just, it just made sense. And, and I think for me, you know, I'm pretty quick to make decisions. I'm pretty quick to, uh, I think, uh, jump on things. It was, uh, it was, it was kind of forced on me to, to, to be a little patient with the process. And, you know, as I was, you, 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 you things started to make sense and started to clarify themselves for, for myself. So, um, you know, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have done it differently. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I do wonder what that career would have been like if I, if I went that route, but, um, you know, to look back at it all now, I'm, you know, I, I couldn't be happier doing what I'm doing and, and grateful for it. Um, you know, so, so no real regrets on, you know, going that, that route, but I, I think it's, um, you know, again, I think things work out for a reason and you kind of, you get the opportunity to pursue a passion. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty fortunate. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And so, well, yeah, I mean, that's, and that's the bottom line, right? You, you, you look back and you say, Hey, you make the decision and you, and you go for it. So you went for it and you're, you end up at governors. Uh, what, you know, looking back on that first team you coached as you came, as you came in, did you feel, did you feel like you were ready to go prepared? Were there some things maybe that caught you by surprise a little bit? And, uh, and, and how have you grown as a coach since that, that first experience behind the bench? Uh, from the co- you know, from the coaching aspect, um, you know, being involved in New England Fall Prep League, a lot of those players, um, you know, I was familiar with. Um, you know, there were some players on the team that, that came up through the Top Gun youth program that I worked with over the years. So, you know, I, I did have a lot of, uh, you know, players there that, uh, you know, I knew well and knew their games well. I, I think for me, you know, the transition was a little difficult where, you know, I, I kind of took that position in, in the April, May time frame, which is, you know, after admissions, um, you know, so having the ability year one to kind of go in there and, um, you know, kind of manage the roster, um, you know, I wasn't really able to do that. So, you know, the, the team was in place and, uh, you know, obviously getting to know the strengths, the weaknesses, what needs to be improved on from a, you know, in-season perspective, but also, you know, the years ahead in terms of the recruitment as well. That was, you know, that was kind of learning on the fly type of experience. And, you know, you kind of figure it out that process as you go. Um, but, you know, I'll tell you, it was, it was a, it was a great first year. I mean, every year, but uh, the first year is a great group of kids and um, you know, they weren't the most successful team, um, you know, coming in, but you know, I, I we had, we had a, a strong group of captains, uh, Ole Ackermark, um, what was a captain, Mitch McGinn, was an assistant captain at the time. Both are both are playing co- college hockey right now. But, you know, I remember speaking to them. I said, listen, I mean, the, the, the culture, the, you know, the atmosphere in the locker room, you know, that's that starts with you guys. And that's something you need to, you know, you need to take responsibility for. And, you know, this is kind of what we want to be. And we want to, you know, obviously develop a, an identity here. And, and those guys are great. You know, win or lose, they were, you know, they showed up to work in practice, um, you know, regardless of the, 
you know, the, the, the games, it was, it was a high compete level. So, you know, although I don't think we were the most skilled and it didn't have as much depth as some of the other programs, it was a group of players that were willing to work and willing to compete. And, you know, like I tell a lot of the guys, I mean, listen, that's, that's something you need to control, you know, our compete level, our work ethic, you know, if that's a consistent part of our game, all the other stuff, you know, we, we can progress with pretty quickly. So, you know, I was fortunate that we did have a, a hardworking group, um, you know, and from there you you can start polishing stuff and, you know, obviously the years ahead and, you know, making the adjustments and bringing in, uh, you know, some of the players obviously, um, you know, has helped as well. We have a player in common, one of your former players in that first season. And, and, and I think you had him two years, uh, was one of my players in Omaha. Uh, and actually we went and traded for him, uh, cause we really thought he was a, he was a junkyard dog type of forward and hard working and really tough to play against. And we felt like he was underutilized. And so Owen Fowler from Tewksbury, um, can t- tell us a little about Owen because because Fowlsey's a bit of a character and uh, he is. <laughs> and uh, I but I think he's a great example of prep school translates to you know like you take a kid he he you know, he let's be honest he would have stayed at Governors had it not been for COVID but that opened up the door for him to go out to the to the USHL and he made a really you know quick transition because he was hard and he was heavy but just reflect on his time with you and I just have to you know I tip the cap because the development he got uh, with you guys really I think stood him in 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 in, in the right path to, to be an impact guy right away in that league yeah Owen I, I know Owen and uh, his family over the years uh, you know coming up through Top Gun and actually that was you know that was one of the first players after the admissions process you know we were able you know kind of to get in um you know, and, and I know Owen's work ethic. I know his compete level. I know his physicality. And he's a kid. It doesn't matter, you know, scrimmage in practice or, or a game with a with a full, you know, full full fan section. You know, you, you're going to get the same version of Owen. And he's, you know, he's a hard to play against. And, you know, one thing I always complimented him on, I don't think there's a game, you know, he left where, you know, an opposing, you know, player, you know, had good things to say about him. He's just one of those guys you just don't like to play against. And, you know, quite honestly, that's a compliment to his game. Um, you know, but I think for Owen, he, you know, he's a guy that can can fill, um, you know, a, a checking line forwards role. I think anywhere he goes, and he's just a, you know, he, he's 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 going to play heavy. He's going to play hard. He's, he's going to make it tough to play against. But for Owen, you know, I think at at prep school, you know, he was able to develop the offensive side of his game as well. Where you know, I remember talking to him going in. I mean, he's going to get opportunities in power play settings, opportunities, um, you know, on the offensive side of things where, you know, that was part of his game that he needed to improve on and, and needed to develop. And he's got a good skill set. But, you know, you you combine that with, you know, just the kind of tenacity he plays with you. You know, you got a, you got a good uh, combination there. So, but, he, you know, great kid, um, you know, loves the game and, and, and fun to be around and, you know, it brings an element to the to the game that you know I, I enjoy. So it was it was great having Owen. Yeah, it was a great trade, and I I was also the academic advisor, so I want to tip the cap to your school and the academics because he was he was doing distance. You know, he was getting his diploma from governors, and the school was willing with the with the whole the COVID thing, and they were working with students that that couldn't be there. And I just remember it was never an issue with him academically. And uh, I was willing to give him a little more uh, flexibility. I said, hey, let's see what he does with it. And never got a single, 
issue, note, anything, because he was able to get his work done. And so I think that kind of an attitude, like whatever you instilled in him, and then the school's willingness to give him that opportunity to continue to, to do that distance learning and meet the academic standards for governors and, and graduate from there while he was, you know, 1,300 miles away in Omaha, Nebraska. I think it's, it's, it's pretty it's pretty remarkable. And it, it, it just goes to show you that where there's a will, there's a way. And I think that uh, when he gets to UMass Lowell, they're going to be getting a pretty versatile guy that's going to be able to, like you said, he can come in and establish himself right away, but he'll be able to play up and down the lineup and do different things for them. Yeah, I, and I think obviously that I think it speaks volumes to you know prep schools as a whole, but governors especially. Where you know, I mean, for Owen, I, I think he approached academics, you know, same as athletics. I mean, he, he worked hard, and it, and it and it you know he was not a student; it came easy too. And you know, like myself, um, you know, I, I had to you know, I mean, governors for me, and uh, you know, I think similar to Owen, you know, really created the proper habits um you know time management and you know just just how to 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 be a good student athlete you know i know from my experience i i definitely did not enter governors as a as a as a great student but i learned how to improve i learned how to manage my time and you know quite honestly getting to be you and you know which owen will experience soon at umass it's you know all of a sudden you know that uh, that sport becomes pretty close to a full-time job the amount of time you spend down the rink the amount of time in the gym you know, traveling and, and, and everything that it entails, you know, you're still a, you're still a college student and you still got to get to your classes. You still got to get all your work done. And, you know, I've, I've, I've been around players who have struggled with that. I've been around players that have found it, found it, I wouldn't say easy, but have been successful with it. And I, and I think just the, just support that these student athletes have, um, you know, throughout their two or three or four years at a, at a prep school, you know, really allows them to, you know, especially for Owen, you know, being remote and traveling and, and everything involved uh, with his schedule there, it, it's tough. I mean, it's tough. And if you're not willing to put the work in and the ability to ma- properly manage your time, it's, it, it's a, it's a tough mountain to climb. New England hockey journals, Rinkwise podcast will return after this message. Catch the sacred heart university pioneers on the ice this season. The Pioneers Division I men and women's hockey programs will not disappoint. Season ticket packages and individual tickets are on sale now at sacredheartpioneers.com. And opening in 2023, Sacred Heart University's Martiri Family Arena, a brand new 122,000 square foot premier skating facility in Fairfield, Connecticut. Learn more at sacredheartpioneers.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Do you want to skate fast? For 50 years, Laura Stam instructors have taught youth players to pros how to skate correctly, powerfully, and fast. 
players who attend Laura Stamp power skating programs learn how to skate fast by learning how to execute every maneuver in hockey. They become powerful, stable, efficient, and explosively fast skaters. If you can't wait for a clinic, join our subscription skills video service and we'll show you the skills taught at our clinics in an easy to use video format with training plans to guide your training. Register or subscribe now at laurastam.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-S-T-A-M-M.com. You can learn to skate fast. Let's talk about some of your guys, because like I said, we, as, as I said earlier, you got I, I think there's something to be said for a team that kind of channels the, the personality of their coach. And, and, and I can, having watched Brian McGurk play back in the day, I can see some of that, some of those attributes with your teams. You know, they, they play hard, they compete, uh, good structure, you know, they're, they're, they support the puck and they, they end plays and they're, they're physical, but they, they seem to understand that you can't just run around and, and just try to lay big hits all the time. You've got some. You got some pretty impressive players and some guys with some high motors. There's a kid I've noticed in summer summer league play that I, I really like him, and that's Noah Bird, um, where he just really is always moving his feet, and he's just you just notice him because he just competes. Um, mm. Just curious about the you know your thoughts on on your on your team and 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 Noah Bird from Andover because he I I, I see a kid that I think there's a, a spot for him in, in college hockey for sure with the, with the way he he competes and and plays on both sides of the puck. Yeah, Noah Noah is a um, you know the same. Noah spent his last season with us, the Top Gun, and I, I know he, had, he came from the St. John's Prep, but. Um, He's just a, he's just the, he, he's a player that um, you know he, he he finds the right places. I mean he he you know he, he works hard. I mean he's he's willing to play any role you ask of him. Um, you know put him in any spot. He's I mean I think my first my first year coaching in Noah he was coming from a defenseman to a forward. Um, you know so he's one of those kids that this is what you're playing this weekend. Good you know this is that's uh, I'm ready to go so. Uh, but yeah, he's a, he's a hardworking kid. He's a smart hockey player, and he and he gets the right spot. He's, he's a kid at the end of the game. You see, and you kind of look at possession, touches, and shots, and you know you look towards the end of a game, and there's just so many aspects of the of that game that he's involved in. So, um, but yeah, no, I I think you know I again I think from where we started the season to where we are now is a big difference. I think if you caught the early stages of our season, we, we didn't have that as consistently as we did, and. Um, you know, again, I, I just kind of stress to our players, it's, you know, if we're not competing with any, if we're not competing with the consistency we have to, if we're not, you know, focused on, you know, certain elements of our game, you know, all the other stuff doesn't matter. I mean, we could spend, you know, hours on a four check, hours on a, you know, defensive zone, hours on, on, on penalty kill and special teams work. But, you know, again, if that compete and buy-in isn't there, uh, none of that matters. And, you know, I think for us in the first stretch, four or five games, we, we just didn't have that. So, you know, for me, it was all right. We, we need to identify the guys who are you know willing to buy in and play the right brand of hockey. And then, you know, again, then you can start fine tuning some things as you progress. But, um, you know, I mean, going into every game, regardless of the opponent, um, regardless of the setting, you know, there's one way to do things. And that those are our expectations. Um, you know, and again, if, if we come out of a game, obviously there's some pretty strong programs out there. We come out of the game and, you know, the, that compete level was there and the physicality was there. The discipline was there. 
you know, we, we didn't, we didn't end up on the right side of it, you know, so be it, you know, we'll look at the finer details of it and try to fix that. But, you know, if we're, if we're not competing and, and we're not, uh, you know, we're in a little bit of pretend mode, then, you know, again, all the other stuff doesn't really matter. So I, I think we got a group that over the years has bought into that. And, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's nice to see that progression. Your leadership group, your captains, you know, when I, when I watch, when I've watched you recently, they seem to be leading by example. Um, just my, my observations of them. I mean, they are, yeah, you've got your, you've got your twins, the Elliott twins there. Right. But, uh, but then you also have, uh, Ian Olenek and, and I just, they just seem to set the right example and tone. Is that, is that, uh, how important is that, you know, for, a, for a team and a culture to get that from the, from the captains and the guys that are, that are identified as the leaders? Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, like I, like I said early on and uh, about three, four years ago with, with our captains, um, you know, just stressing to them that, that culture, you know, that identity, um, you know, that kind of atmosphere in the locker room, um, that starts with them. You know, they, I, I don't, I don't micromanage that. That's on them. Um, you know, obviously if there's issues and things that, you know, myself and coach delay have to address, we address, but you know, we let that kind of manage itself. And when you have players that, uh, you know, buy in players that uh, are supportive of, you know, their entire team, not just their line mates or not just the upperclassmen, but, you know, the entire, you know, roster, um, you know, you, you, you build, you know, a, a certain identity, you know, in that locker room and guys are, you know, eager to compete for each other and eager to support each other. And, um, you know, they, you get that bond, you know, within your whole roster. And, and I think, you know, all three of them, even Kyle and Colin, they're, they're all very different. Um, you know, Ian Olenek is, you know, he's more energy than, I don't know, than, you know, some of the dogs I've had in, 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 in my past. And, you know, he's just, he's always going, he's always going. It didn't, it doesn't matter if it's practice game, you know, he's coming at you at a hundred miles an hour, both with his feet and his mouth. Um, you know, Colin, Kyle, Kyle, obviously, you know, twin brothers, they are, uh, they're different in, as well. Um, a little more calm and, you know, reserved, but, uh, you know, they, they play hard, they play heavy, um, you know, and, and very respectful of their teammates and, you know, so we got a good group of, of, of kids, um, you know, which starts with your captains. And, you know, again, you get you get everybody on the same page. They all buy in. And, you know, regardless, I mean, obviously, there's some guys that get more minutes than others. There's some guys that are, you know, in and out of the lineup and some guys that, you know, you know, see every aspect of the game. But I think that just the respect amongst the teammates treat each other and, you know, and, and quite honestly, compete hard, you know, with each other in practice gives you that ability to. To, to have that, you know, over the course of the, of the schedule. So yeah. and I've, it's a good group. Yeah, I've, I've been impressed with your goaltending, too. looks like you have two good two, two good guys, man. I mean, between Palangian and what he did in Cushing, uh, against Cushing, and then uh, Lacroix was really good the, the other day uh, watching him against Nick. And he was going up against some pretty high-end uh, forward. There was a couple of really good forwards, and he stood in there and made some great stops. Yeah, I said uh, after this past weekend, you know, with uh, Milton and Belmont Hill, I mean, both both very good ISL teams this year. Um, you know, we were able to come out of Milton with a win. Play and played great. Um, you know, we, we lost our composure a little bit in the Belmont Hill game. But that first period, I mean, very sloppy for us. And, you know, just the amount of grade A opportunities that they had. Um, I mean, it was about seven or eight. Um, and they significantly outshot us in the first, outpossessed us and. Uh, Max Lacroix. I mean, we came out of the first zero zero, and it was you know, 
you dodged a major bullet there. Um, you know, but I, I, I said after the weekend to, to coach delay, I said, I mean, that was one of the best goaltending, you know, back to backs, you know, we, we've had in a long time here, but you know, David Plangin has been a four year guy there, um, you know, coming in as a freshman. Um, he didn't, he didn't get much of an opportunity, you know, sophomore year, a little bit. And then obviously last year be it COVID. So, um, you know, he's just a kid that continues to work, you know, every, every year, you, you, you know, you, you, you see him, his improvements. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, and quite honestly, Max required last year applied, um, you know, we had two goalies in place at the varsity level. Obviously we didn't anticipate what the season would look like. Um, but I remember Max, uh, getting into the school and, and, and calling me and, you know, I'm, I'm not a coach to, to, to promise anybody anything. Um, you know, I'll give them the honest perspective of what it looks like, what the depth chart looks like. And, you know, here's, here's my expectations. But again, my expectations are based, you know, I mean, they got to execute. Um, and for those who, who don't, uh, you know, somebody else will, will be put in their place. Um, and Max, you know, he, he knew there were two goalies on the varsity roster. And he said, you know, I'm not looking for anything, just an opportunity to come in and compete. And uh, I'll tell you, he's a, he's a pretty special kid. Um, you know, came, came in day one, this kid can play, um, you know, and it's, 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 it's as consistent as I've seen. So, I mean, going into the year, you kind of figure, all right, you know, who, who's going to win that starting job and, and credit to both of them. It's, it's a pretty good tandem back and forth. And, 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 you know, they're, 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 they're close with each other. They compete hard with each other, but, you know, I think after, you know, a win with versus Dexter or a win versus Milton where, you know, LaCroix had Dexter, Flangey and had Milton, you know, they're the first to greet and celebrate with each other. So it's uh, it, it's pretty special. And I think, um, you know, Max being a junior, he's going to, you know, two more years with us. David's a senior, um, you know, both players, you know, belong in a college uniform for sure. And I think, you know, guys are starting to see that and, and take notice okay. of that. Yeah, no, they they've definitely been, definitely stood out to me, and uh, you know, I, I I tend to focus on the goalies, so I think you're in you're in good hands, and that's a good that's a great place to start with any team, yeah, you know, yeah. from the net oh, yeah. out. But uh, curious about you know, number one, it's it's great to have prep hockey when you go a season without it, and it really kind of puts it in perspective what you what you miss, on. not only what you miss out on as a coach, but what these players missed and, and 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 the opportunities the chances to develop and play games that they didn't have last year what are your general impressions on on the play of prep hockey uh that you've seen this year as we're as we're going along and knock on wood we're gonna you know keep keep going along but but what what have you seen and and what are you liking and what are you noticing about the the competition writ large in the in the in the area and in the league yeah i mean it's 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 you know, would would I would I say it's back to normal? No, but it's um, you know it, it's it's a season. I mean, it's a season, and we're you know obviously different schools, different restrictions, different regulations, and you know you got to jump through hoops a little bit. But you know, at the end of the day, as long as we're playing, we're happy. Um, you know, last year was tough, and and I think governors did did a great job in managing it, and we were able to get some games in. Obviously, you know, playing playing just with uh, you know the two teams in the building was a, a little different, but uh, you know we were able to play. And you know, before we before we got back on campus last year, you know, we had the guys up at the ice center. We got some games in too, so you know we made the best of last year. And you know, but it's great to be back. You know, somewhat normal this year, and I think it's it's 
it's a little unique where, you know, you go from season to season. Obviously, you know, we see everybody in our in, in the ISL twice and you get to know their rosters a bit. And, um, you know, going into uh, the, you know, the next year up, you, you're, you're familiar and you, and you know the players, obviously, to look out for, the lines to, to match up with. And, you know, this year I, I, I actually I actually enjoy it a little more because, you know, there's a lot of teams you just don't know much about. Um, you know, so there's a lot of, you know, kind of figuring it out on the fly. Um, but I, I think, you know, for us in the, in the ISL um, right now, I think the league's as competitive, you know, as it's been. Um, you know, first place team, eighth place team, I don't see much difference between it. And quite honestly, if, you know, and we've, we've seen it ourselves, we've experienced it, but, um, you know, you don't show up, you don't play the right brand of hockey, regardless of where that team is, you know, you, you're at risk of losing that game. And I think, you know, in years past, there were, you know, some teams that kind of set themselves apart um, from the group and, you know, some on the, on the bottom level that, you know, kind of you walked into easy wins with. I, I just, I don't see that this year. Um, so I, I think it's all very competitive. And um, I think you have a lot of players that, you know, obviously trying to make up for lost time and, you know, especially the upperclassmen in the, in the, in the 11th and 12th graders that, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of, it's, it's now, um, you know, where they missed out on opportunities last year. I mean, you know, I think a lot of scouts spent more time on a computer screen watching, watching uh video than, than, they'd, than they'd like. Um, but, you know, obviously now we're back into it and I think, you know, guys are pretty, pretty fortunate and, and uh, grateful to be, you know, playing again and, and the league's, you know, very competitive. So it's, 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 it's been, it's been going well so far. Uh, for young players that might be listening to this and listening to you, and we've 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 covered a wide gamut of topics, but what would you offer to them? Or thing, and, and let's take skills and skating and set them aside because so many players these days we know can do that. Okay, and I think sometimes kids and parents get fixated on stats and they get fixated on toe drags and doing really really flashy things but from your perspective as a successful coach who you know has really developed a consistent identity uh with your teams and i think i i feel pretty comf- comfortable in saying that what would you offer to young players that if they're you know um if they're really serious and they have the academic ability to to play prep school hockey but they really aspire to be players what are some of the attributes that you would offer to them they need to they need to have and bring to the table with them when the time comes for them to do that you know i i think you're right i think you see a lot of younger players now the skill sets are 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 very impressive um i think a lot spend time with that and, and 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 you have to have that and obviously this you know you can't skate the next level you know it's very hard to play at the next level and you know i think from a skating and you know skill set uh perspective i i think there's a lot of you know great young players um but i think there's you know the, the missing piece that um yeah i i mean i think everybody can sit and you know share goals and you know uh you know where they want to play and you know what what level they want to reach and uh you know that's it's all well and good, but I think once they realize, you know, how much work it takes, um, you know, in and out of season, um, you know, it's not for everybody. And I think for the younger players, it's, you know, uh, I, I obviously I, I'd, I, I'd, I'd love to support that in any way. But, you know, approaching, you know, every game, every practice, every training opportunity, um, you know, the right way. And you see it a lot. I mean, these these kids are playing so much hockey. They're playing so many games. 
you know, quite honestly, you watch some of it, it looks like it's taken it for granted a little bit. And, um, you know, the, the compete levels aren't always there. And, you know, I think for regardless of the age, I mean, anywhere from the, the you know, the, the, the Bantam type players up to the prep school players, the junior players, and even collegiate players, I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of under the microscope at this point. Um, and, and you never know who's watching, um, you know, and, and especially for, for, for guys making the step to, to collegiate hockey, you know, it's, it's a process. I mean, there's, there's, it's years of, of performing a certain way. It's, 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 you know, proving that consistency to your game. And, um, you know, it's, it's a long process to, to, to go from a, you know, a youth hockey player to a prep school player to a, to a college commitment. And, and you got to be patient with that process, but it is a pretty quick process the other way when, you know, guys come to watch you play and, you know, you're just, you're not, you're not competing, you know, maybe the, the, the body language, you know, uh, attitude, discipline, you know, those, those are the, those are the things you control and, and there's no other variables to it. So, you know, for the younger players, it's, you know, every time you get an opportunity to play, there's, you know, there's one way to compete. There's one way to play. Um, you know, not every game is going to be your best. Obviously, you know, there's some, there's some puck luck. There's some other variables to having a successful game offensively or defensively, but, you know, just controlling the pieces of your game you can't control, um, you know, and, 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 and taking it, you know, seriously, if you have those type of goals and, you know, it's, it's more of the stuff you're willing to do away from the rink than, you know, when everybody's watching, um, you know, and for the younger players, especially some of our, you know, bantam age players that look to make this jump to prep school hockey. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a significant age gap. I mean, we have Oh, two, birth years as seniors on some rosters and you got some of these kids that are playing at the 07 level or or looking to come in at the 08 level I mean obviously there's a big gap in physical maturity so you know just you know taking the strength and conditioning and all the other aspects of their development you know as seriously as they can Um, you know because again I, I think for me you know one thing I can look back on is you know every part of that process you know how I approach the game how I trained and you know, my work ethic that went into it, you know, I, I, you know, I know it was at a high level. So, you know, when the game's over and the opportunities aren't there, you know, I'm not looking back and regretting, you know, I wish I could have done more. I wish, I mean, sure. I wish I could have played at the NHL and, you know, had an opportunity there, but, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't, it wasn't in the cards, but, you know, not from, not from a lack of effort or lack of compete. So, you know, I think for younger players, it's understanding, you know, the opportunities in front of you, 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 you take it don't, don't take it for granted and uh you know take advantage of every game opportunity practice opportunity training opportunity and you know fully invest if that's what you want to be well not everyone can say they were drafted to the nhl and you certainly can columbus blue jackets in the last uh year of the nine round draft before they shortened it down but uh, I, 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 I snuck in there you got that. it you got it and i and i whether we're talking veteran older kids on your team or younger guys like cam russo and michael rinaldi it looks like they're in good hands so Coach uh, McGurk, really appreciate you coming on, joining us on RinkWise. Tremendous insights, and uh, wish you the you know continued success as the season goes on, and you can maybe you know climb north of that that five hundred mark and just string some yeah. wins together and keep rolling. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure, pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, thanks so much. For this bonus mini segment of the RinkWise podcast, I am pleased to bring you my conversation with Ray Diffley, who is founder and principal of RD3 Education and Advising Center. What he does is he helps 
athletes, in particular hockey, given his background in hockey as a coach and a player and then as uh, admissions director at Choate uh, Prep School. He helps young athletes navigate the challenges of their own development, not only with hockey, but also in academics and finding the right academic setting for them to get the most out of their character, out of their attributes, and put them on the path to education. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about his program and some of his experiences and how that applies to hockey. We hope you enjoy this. I am glad to be joined by Ray Diffley, former admissions director at Choate. He was also a hockey coach, and he is now the the founder and principal of RD3 Education. Uh, Ray, welcome to uh, RinkWise. How are you doing today? Thanks, Kirk. Uh, not bad. A pleasure to be here and um, nursing a little men's league injury from last night. But other than that, all great. <laughs> hey, gotcha. What 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 uh what position, Ray? What what are, what are you doing out there at the uh, men's league? Oh, D man all the time. Although actually at men's league I play, play forward. It's fun to have no responsibilities getting back. Yeah, that's how I uh, after uh, ten PM on a on a weekday. <laughs> yeah, no one hundred percent. Yeah, I hung up the goalie pads to skate out myself. So I know I know how that is. It's <laughs> it's nice being a, a right wing with very little responsibility. So anyway, uh Exactly. Thanks for being on here. Um, just going back, we, we were talking a little bit beforehand and, and, and your background at Choate, and, and I mentioned a player to you, and, and right away you knew who I was talking about, and he's, 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 uh, he's a guy that, that a lot of hockey fans probably are aware of, but Kyle Crisculo. Um, let's just kind of go back in time a little bit and t- tell me a, a little bit about him and, and your, your experiences with him. Yeah, well, uh, working in a, you know, at a, the prep school level and admission in particular, you know, it starts at the very beginning, so to speak, when a coach comes to you with his, his list. Uh, at that time, I, I was I was out of coaching and I was admission director. Uh, Pat Dennehy was the coach at the time. And, uh, of course, there's a whole process for vetting kids and getting to know them. And this is one of these kids that, that coach, you know, from the beginning just said, you know, great talent, but more importantly, great kid. And, you know, now, I don't know, 20 years later, 15 years later, 12 years later, whatever the number is, um, that element of his journey to me has been one of his greatest successes other than, as you know, having seen him play before, uh, skating, right. Initiative. Um, I heard one of your guests a week or two ago, talk about the key things in today's game, hockey IQ and skating. Right. Um, so Kyle was just that kind of kid, but every, everywhere he showed up, showed Harvard and beyond. I mean, I think he was the only two time, well, one of the very few two time captains, uh, at Harvard, if I have that right, um, and just a fantastic kid that everyone liked to back. So, uh, in my world of admission and now, you know, advising and and the hockey space, um, you know, everywhere you go, your reputation follows you. And when when you can be the kind of kid that someone's eyes light up and they give a full endorsement to when you mention their name, it's it's powerful. It's a differentiator. It makes a big difference. Yeah. Well, he, after Choate, he was spent a year in the USHL with Sioux city. And then as you said, Harvard, uh, 80 points in his last two seasons, and then went on to be with the, the grand Rapids and then got his opportunity with the, uh, Buffalo, uh, Sabres. And, uh, and now with the, the wings, he's played a couple games this year. He's back at grand Rapids. And yeah, I just remember him being extremely quick, fast, played with pace, always around the puck, and uh, the effort, second effort, was something. And, and to this day, I mean, I, he was a he was a player that I I really thought watching those NEPSAC uh, prep tournaments back in the day. It was it was 2010, 20, 2011. 
that I that I really noticed him and saw him there in, in, in Salem, New Hampshire, and just thought, wow, if this if this guy he might not be the biggest dog in the fight, but if he can bring that that work ethic and that that speed and that pace to the next level, he'll have a chance. And you know, like you said, yeah. twelve years later, here there there he is. He's, mm-hmm. he's still he's still at it. Uh, awesome awesome insights, yeah. Ray. So. Talk to us a little about RD3. Uh, you know, I had asked you beforehand, you know, about the, the mission statement. So for people that aren't aware of what you do, what are the most important yeah. things in, 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 to your mission that, that is really helping young people achieve not only their immediate goals, but really long-term goals through the development process that, that you guys implement? Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that... Um, you know, spending 23 years in admission, like a lot of my colleagues who are still doing the work and that do it now, you gain an incredible perspective, right? You see hundreds, thousands of kids, and you understand for, for a school like Cho, which is fairly high stakes, you know, admission rate of, in the teens, um, you're looking for reasons to say no. You've got to find reasons to say no if you want to be able to choose your class and select your class. And so believe me, we find every possible reason to say no uh, to get to those numbers at the end of the day. Also, obviously, look for potential uh, and those things that matter that will kind of allow you to advance from one level to the next. In, in hockey, it's, you know, prep or, or junior to college to pro. And in the prep school world, the school world, it's middle school to high school to college to having an impact on the world. So admission professionals learn an enormous amount about kids, uh, schools, child development, you know, what matters and what doesn't. So uh, coming out of, you know, I started young as an admission director, started young in admission at age 23, uh, admission director at age 32. Uh, I'm now on my 30th year of doing this work. And so when I left, showed I wanted to do something, you know, that can quote unquote give back or have, have an impact. And so I've centered my work around essentially three things that I've studied for 30 years. Uh, one is character strength development. And it's a very distinct um, difference between character development and character strength development. In other words, I'm not looking for kids who are bad kids to turn them into good kids. I'm actually looking for great kids to make sure they're maximizing, knowing who they are and how they roll, for lack of a better term, right? So so character strength development starts with self-assessment, self-reflection. And a lot of kids at the age I start with them, which would be 12, 13, 14, you know, sort of, sort of 11 to 19, you know, the, the fourth stage of cognitive development is age roughly age 11 or 12, when kids can be in to kind of plan their own lives and futures. So that would be the youngest that pick up kids and work with them, uh, but inter- intervening anywhere else as well. So character strength development, it all starts there, you know, two and there's three things. But the, the second thing is really sort of the traditional educational planning, you know, in preparation to reach the goals. Uh, and, I, and I believe I shared a quote with you the other day, Kirk, that, that pretty much guides, you know, all of my work, which is, uh, from a, a great man who sadly passed away in the last year uh, by the name of Sir Ken Robinson. And Sir Ken, you know, just sums up all of my work, and I think maybe all of us, <laughs> our work as as people, as parents, as coaches, educators. And that is you cannot predict human development. All you can do is create the conditions under which you will flourish, right? So you can't predict. You can you can draft a kid. You never know if he's going to go pro. You could select, select a kid for admission. You don't know if they're going to kill it in your school and go on to great college, but they're, they're markers, right? Um, but what you can do as a family, as a student, and as an individual, you and I can do it for the rest of our lives is find the right environment to help us flourish and grow. And I think that's where I see 
so much of kids and families fall off, you know, chasing the wrong dream for the wrong reasons, sometimes at the wrong time. The third thing, and I'll, I'll kind of wrap, keep it brief as I can, is I am dumbfounded by the inability, I'm frustrated by it, um, uh, what, what are the words, the several that go along with it, kids can't express themselves these days. Uh, and so many promising candidates, whether it's in an admission setting or a hockey locker room setting, you know, they don't know how to speak well. Uh, so I have a term I've actually coined and, and uh, copywritten. It's called AQ. It's articulation quotient. It's your ability to articulate yourself and express yourself. And that's a major differentiator in the admission world, both in writing, but in speaking as well. And I'm sure in your experience, you can relate to the interviewee after a hockey game who can express themselves and one who can't, all, you know, all nerves aside. Um, uh, and I will say I've, I've been actually pretty impressed in, in the modern world and what the NHL is doing, but a lot of those interviews are pretty darn well done. Uh, players know what to say. I'm sure they have a little media training. Um, but essentially that's the work that I do. And, you know, we can, we can talk a little bit later at the time about sort of some of the key questions that I ask every student that I think are essential for all of us to ask ourselves, which again, is sort of deducted from, you know, 30 years of doing this work, essentially. Well, sure. I'm, I'm particularly interested in the, in the AQ because that is a proprietary thing and uh, that's not anything you can get anywhere else. Right. But before we get to that, uh, just Ken Robinson, Sir Ken Robinson, uh, he, he's an obvious influencer and, and I, I like the quote. Uh, how did you, how did you come about him and his work and, and, and get in, in you know, in the space to where you were able to kind of read him and, and, and inculcate his, his guidance and philosophy in the work you're doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes you just get lucky, right? So my, my 30 years in the space and 23 at Chode, I happened to come across a lot of great uh, researchers on intelligence, on success, uh, on assessment, et cetera. And somewhere in that work, uh, because of the work I did, I had an opportunity to connect with Sir Ken at a conference, um, just introduce myself. He was the keynote speaker, um, just really relate to the guy. I think he has a top five all-time TED talk on creativity in schools. And, you know, all the stuff relates to the hockey rank, right? You watch a kid who's creative and smart, has the IQ on the ice. Same applies for kids in school these days. But as luck would have it, um, after one headmaster I worked for uh, retired, another came in and his he was also a Sir Ken Robinson fan. And so Sir Ken ended up being the, the, the guest speaker at his inculcation. They call it installation of a new head, head of school. And uh, I was one of the guests invited to dinner with Ken that night and uh, had a chance to sit right next to him and, and sort of talk philosophy and, and approach. And, and again, he believed a lot of um, there was a lot of misunderstanding about selection. Right. Uh, if you go to the NHL draft these days, you know, it's, it's amazing how complex that process has become from, say, 20, 30 years ago. Same with admission. You know, you, a lot more science has developed around selection. Uh, we know a whole lot more because of the research and studies that have been done around who succeeds and why. Uh, and so um, having a chance to meet with him, talk with him. But it's funny, you know, perspective is everything, right? So I, I, I must have watched that TED Talk 50 times. But it wasn't until the 51st time when I started to just think a little bit about my work and what I want to do to help students and families to that 17 second clip, which now sits on my website, um, really hit home. Uh, and so I ask every parent, every student, after I get to know them a little bit, as I do with my players, you know, what is the right situation for you? That's, that's the way the hockey people would say it. You, know, you got to get in the right situation. But it's really the conditions under which you thrive. 
right? So the right coach, the right attitude, the right program, you know, for the big time, the right city, the right school culture, uh, you know, where you are to be able to play and develop. The same metaphor exists for a hockey player that it does for a student. You know, you typically you want to get the ice time. You want to get a little power play if you can. You want to, um, you know, be at the top half of the class, top third of the class, top 10 of the class, while also being pushed. Uh, and I think Sir Ken brought to the equation, well, first of all, he's a really funny guy. So you got to watch the TED Talk if you haven't. He's got tons of them out there. But, um, you know, schools kill creativity, I think, was the one I was referring to. But just incredible guy. You know, and again, as you get older and do the work, you, you try to deduce things into very simple things that people can understand. And everyone can understand that language. You know, what are the conditions under which you thrive? Yeah. So you talked a little about admissions and crossovers with hockey. What are what are some of the other examples? Because I think that's really important. And people obviously that are listening to the Rinkwise podcast are going to key into, okay, this all sounds great, Ray, but what's the relation to hockey? So uh, real quick, and then I do want to get into the AQ because that, that is that was the thing that stood out to me when you sent me uh, kind of your 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 vision, um, yeah. but but crossover admissions crossovers to hockey and and how maybe young hockey players and parents that are listening to us right now that have aspirations to to, to go to prep school and, and want to play hockey but maybe haven't given much thought to the admissions process how they can set those conditions that you're talking about. Yeah, for sure. And, and again, I, I as a coach for thirty years, uh, both prep school and youth. You know, I love my work. I love working with kids and, and I love bringing this to them, you know, in the locker room practices, post-game, pre-game, all that stuff. And I think there there are parallels. You know, if you go to a psychology graduate school, they're going to tell you just because you're a great basketball player doesn't make you a great business person. And they're right. It's true. Some skills and, and, and abilities are domain specific. Others are not. And you're looking for the ones that are not. And so let me start in the school world. You know, there are three things that we kind of came to find in all my years of research. And there's there's plenty of them, but to some degree, you got to pick your, got to pick the things that matter to you that you think are important that have had some data or science to show that they matter. And for me, it was three things. One is intrinsic motivation. So you got to love, you got to love school if you're going to a, a tough, rigorous school, or it'll be torture for you, right? Um, somebody says, "Oh, I want to go to an Ivy League school." Well, you know how much work they do. You know, you want to go to a show. There's a lot of work there. If you don't love to do it, you might be fighting uphill. You might be better off at a school that's a little more a little less rigorous, a little more balanced, et cetera. So that love of what you do, and the same applies to hockey, right? Um, if, if your kid's, you know, moaning about going to the practice, you're paying the, mo- the money, you know, asking that question. Do you right. want this? If you don't, there's other ways we can invest in you and take the time. Two is, is self-efficacy. So in school, you have to believe you can do it. Um, you know, you have to believe you can master calculus if you get extra help, if you do your homework, X, Y, and Z. There's a lot of self-doubt out there in schools. Kids don't believe in themselves. They don't have a mentor that helps and advises them as well to believe in themselves. So they struggle. I think the hockey metaphor there is easy. I've coached a bunch of teams where you go into the locker room, you're playing a powerhouse team. They assume they're going to lose. So, you know what? We already lost if that's the case, right? So self-efficacy is that belief that you can do something if you have a game plan and if you practice and done your homework. And so self-efficacy is that, if I got a room full of kids who believe they can win and they've got a game plan, you have a chance. You get a bunch of kids who are defeated, don't believe it, it's not going to happen. The last one is locus of control. It's not a, that fancy a term, but maybe remember from your Psych 101 days, Kirk, you know, locus of control. If you have an internal locus of control, you believe everything that happens in your life is based on how you, how you input. So you have control over it. So with an external locus of control, blame the world blames everybody for their failures. So if I ask a kid, why'd you get a C minus or a C 
in school, they're going to blame everybody else, usually but themselves. Maybe they'll throw in themselves a little bit at the end. No doubt when I get a kid coming off the ice, what happened out there? Oh, the goalie didn't do this. So the refs were, that's an, that's a kid with an external locus of growth. They're not taking responsibility. They're not owning it. And I see limit limits on that kid's attitude. And, you know, hopefully I'll address it and tell them exactly what I'm saying right now. And they'll change the next shift or the next game, or maybe I'll partner with their parents and get them to help out. But, you know, you might also call that growth mindset attitude. Uh, coaches know it. Teachers know it. Schools know it. And there's now ways to measure it. I think that's what's, you know, very powerful um, in this space. That's fantastic. So those are just a few. Yeah. There, there, there's more. But yeah, I sure. No. Kids, you know, I go, I mean, I go watch a game, you know, there's only a few things I'm looking for. It's, you know, after the kid loses the puck, is there any, any gap whatsoever in their back check? Right. If they, if they, if they fret, if they slam their stick, even if they pause, I know that kids, well, they could be well coached and it's not taught they're just not doing what their coach says, but they don't have it. They don't get it. And now they might get it later, but I'm looking for the kid that gets it now. And it's the same in the school environment. Attitude is everything. Approach is everything. Um, and those are the things you can look for and, you know, typically allow those players to advance. But like Sir Ken says, you know, th th there's no magic formula. You don't know. You, you, there's almost nothing, you know, as sure as a sure thing. Maybe Connor McDavid's yep. an exception. But uh, but my, my nephew was, you know, played at BU and was roommates with, with Jack Eichel. So I think everybody's pretty good about, you know, um, knowing some kids have it. And then, you know, usually it's skating and skill and, uh, but you know, that, that third piece or the first piece, the character and attitude often is the one that keeps you in it for the longest time. Well, yeah. And that's a huge, right. Cause as I've, I've said this, people listening to the podcast will get tired of it, but uh, so many kids can skate and, and have the skills now. And it's the little things, it's the details in the game. It's the attitude, it's the character that's going to carry them the, fur the, the, the farthest in this game, because so many now that gap of the talent gap that used to be a very real thing when, when you and I were coming up and playing, playing uh, is now it, there's not much of a gap because so many, players can afford to have the IC around and the skating coaches and the skills development. So you really have to bring something right. else to the table. All right. Last, last thing. And then, and, and we'll wrap up. Yeah. And again, it's so informative, but the AQ, how do you, how do you quantify that? And that, that really got, got to me because I am a speaker and that was something I always yeah. did pretty well. And uh, I actually, yeah. as I, as I went through the ROTC process, I was told, uh, yeah, your, your interview really, you know, put you over the top there. So I have personal experience in that regard. And I was a, just a, you know, snot nosed teenager back when I was doing that. <laughs> I didn't really put much thought yeah. into the preparation. So uh, talk yeah. a little about that and how you came up with that. Yeah. Uh, I love your, I love that story. We could, we could talk for sure because it's, you know, there's in the admission world, it's great to, it's great to meet people twice. Cause the first time they could be full of it, <laughs> frankly, <laughs> right. you know, the second time you kind of, you know, it's like, it's why you don't have one tryout, right? You got to have multiple, you got to see a kid multiple times. They can have a bad day, but some kids have a natural gift with expression and, and connecting with people. And that's, it's great. It's so important in our, in our world. I think it's never going out of style, but you know, in, I always start with my students and saying, you know, um, human beings are unbelievably judgmental. Let's face it. Right. Uh, go back to the, go back to the caveman days or cave person days, right? It's, Someone's approaching you. Are they trying to kill you or offer you a deer skin? Right. I mean, what you've got to judge everything about them, their look, their facial expression. So first it's, it's, it's physical before it's verbal, it's physical, how you dress, how you present yourself, how you open up to, to meet and greet someone, all of that matters. And believe me, admission people 
and anyone hires, you know, employers, they're judging that they, they have to be, and it's, it's evidence. So you are the evidence provider for that person to make that, make that judgment. After that, obviously what you say matters. And, you know, the first thing goes back to the original, which is a self-assessment of who you are, how you speak, how you function, what your strengths are, you know, not trying to be someone you're not in that interview situation. We're in that human interaction situation, but the two minutes a coach approaches you from the junior league after your game, believe me, they are going away with an impression. They may have driven five hours and flown there to get to. So that is so critical and so important. And so I'll spare you from my five step, you know, how to nail it equation that I really come up with just in the last several years thinking about, okay, I can't just talk for a half hour about how to do this. I've got to have a system and a formula that is going to help someone. And, and, and this is for me, Kirk, it's not just obviously about the work I do. It's, it's about life, right? Um, you want to have good relationships. You want to be able to engage someone. Um, so even just knowing the formula of how much you should talk versus they should talk um, in an interview setting, particularly, you know, goes back to Dale Carnegie, you know, the best way to become interesting is take an interest in someone else. Um, and there's certain keys and cues. You said measurable. I don't think there'll ever be a a formula or a, or a number that you'll give, although admission people certainly do or use words to, to assess, but um, there's certain things you should be doing to engage that person in a conversation. And if it's just a Q&A, it's, it's fine. It might be just, 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 you know, perfectly fine, but it's not a more mature, engaging level of conversation. If you're just doing the talking, not listening to what they're saying, again, you're missing out. These are all, I think, more critical in, in an admission interview, in, in a hockey setting, you know, it's, it's, um, and I got stories upon stories of just, you know, my coaching days and, and, you know, approaching a locker room and then not knowing a group of all-star kids. And then suddenly coming out saying, gee, this kid was pretty obnoxious in his language. And, you know, we saw an adult enter the room, but still didn't make an adjustment. I mean, I get there's going to be stuff going on, but you see someone with a coaching jacket on who's, who's not 20, right. You make an adjustment there. That kid can't make an adjustment. He's a total liability at my school or in my hockey program. And, you know, I always say to the kids in the hockey space I'm, I'm coaching or working with or advising, you know, you, you come and go from their program. That coach wants to have a 20, 30, 40 year career in the, in the, in the business. They're not going to take a risk with you. Uh, even if you're a top player, some might, you know, Bill Belichick might take a Randy Moss. Right. right. Uh, and and everything, everything works out. But, um, you know, most college coaches, especially these days, they're not or prep school coaches. They're not taking a risk with a kid who doesn't know how to behave. It's just too much. Um, it's too much risk for them, and it's not worth it at the end of the day. Um, so, but my, my, you know, I'll end there by saying, you know, the AQ. It's just, um, it's so important. And again, a little training. I mean, the one thing I promise all the families I work with, and I'm sure they know this very quickly, and my teams. I'm going to be honest with you. You know, most people, it's not worth being honest with you because then they don't like you, and um, you know they criticize you. I get paid to be honest with people. You know, 30 years of perspective. I can tell you. I can look at this game and tell you you're not advancing. Here's why, you know, other coaches say, Oh, you look great. You know, keep working at it. And they, they move on, right. They don't tell you they move on. Cause that's, I get it. I understand it. But you know, if you're lucky, I say in life, if you have people other than your parents and sometimes the parents actually the most misguided um, you're lucky if you have one person in your life who tells you the truth about where you are and then helps you get to where you want to go. Ray Diffley, founder and principal, RD3 Education and Advising Center. Thank you so much for joining us on RinkWise. How do people uh, find you if, they wanna, if they've listened to this and are intrigued and want to know more and, and make that connection with you, Ray? Yeah, thanks, Kirk. 
got rd3education.com. I've got a mailing list. Uh, I've got to get a, a letter out soon. But uh, and I, I'm I'm at the rink all the time. Uh, I'm in schools all the time. Um, you know, reach out. My email and contact information is on the website. Fantastic. And I do give I give I give talks from from time to time at different showcases and events. So I'm happy to let you know where I'll be and you can hear me talk and and then, you know, approach me after to say hello or, or whatever. Happy to help anybody in, in the littlest ways I can. Well, again, thank you for your time and thank you for joining us on RinkWise. And, and Ray, I will be looking for you at some point in the rink. <laughs> Thanks, Kirk. Take care. Thank you for joining us on our segments with Governor's Academy Head Coach Brian McGurk and Ray Diffley, founder and principal of RD3 Education. Prep heavy show today, but a lot of interesting insights. We appreciate you joining us, and we will look forward to having you back with us next time on the RinkWise podcast. Thanks for listening to New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. Follow us on Twitter at NE Hockey Journal, on Instagram and Facebook at New England Hockey Journal, and subscribe to New England Hockey Journal online at hockeyjournal.com. New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise is a Siemens Media Podcast.